Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I'm just going to share, continue to share here where I left off last week. And we've been on a series here for a number of weeks on, on healing, that God's will is healing, right? And, and this, we, um, we started off for a couple of weeks, we had to establish that it's God's will. Right, and we, we went into the word, we, we found out that it is God's will to heal. <clears throat> and then once you know that it's God's will, then you can stand in faith. Because faith, faith begins, faith begins where the will of God is known. So you need to know what his will is before you can stand in faith for it, right? So once you know what his will is, then your faith comes in. Then you have to stand in faith to walk in it, to receive it, to have those things. So then we looked at receiving, and we've been on this for many weeks, and it led us into you know different roadblocks that people can encounter when it comes to receiving their healing, right? And we looked at a few of those things. And, and last week, or the week before even, um, I, we started talking about our, our confession. Amen. Our words are a big, big part to play. Our, our words are powerful, right? Our words are important, right? So we began to, to dig deeper last week into the importance of our words and what we allow to come out of our mouths. Amen. If our words don't align with what God says in his word about us, it's, we aren't going to be able to receive from God. If, they don't, if our confession doesn't line up with what his, what his word says, then it's going to be difficult for us to receive from him. We know that our faith is what we use to receive. Remember, faith is the catalyst. Faith is the bridge that, that, that takes God's provision, which is in your born-again spirit, out into, in, into the physical, out into the natural. That's what manifests it, is, is your faith in order to receive it and walk in it, right? So faith is what you need to receive but you need to understand faith has a voice, right? So faith speaks. What does faith speak? Faith doesn't speak doubt. Faith doesn't speak what the senses see or feel. Faith speaks what God says, right? Faith speaks what is in your spirit, what it sees in your spirit. It's, it comes alongside with what God said in his word and it confesses it, right? So faith doesn't speak. It doesn't wait until it sees a manifestation, it doesn't wait until your body feels better when relating to sickness here. It doesn't wait to see something in the natural in order to believe it. Faith sees it before, um, faith believes it before it physically sees it. Faith sees it in the spirit. Faith sees it, you know, from the word of God. Amen. So we need to ensure that the words that we produce, that we speak, are producing life. Right? Because why? Yes, because we can produce death with our words. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you can produce death. You can produce through negative words, through a negative confession, right? You can produce death, right? And we looked at the verse in Proverbs 18. Go with me there really quickly. In verse 20 of Proverbs 18. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we need to understand that there's power in our words, not only in a positive way, but in a negative way, right? As in, if you're constantly speaking those negative things, like I just said, whining, complaining, oh, oh, why, why is this still happening? Or, you know, oh, this, I've got this wrong with me, I've got that wrong with me, and you're speaking these things constantly, you're coming into agreement with something else other than God's word. That's what you're doing. And when you're doing this, you're releasing the negative power in your words through unbelief. Through unbelief. Remember we talked about last week, 
or the week before when we started talking about words, when you, are, when you start speaking, right, um, words that are negative or contrary to God's word, it's because you believe something different in your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So what you're putting into your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. So if you're speaking doubt and unbelief, you're calling God a liar. That's what you're doing. You know, and people might say, oh, well, I'd never call God a liar. But if you're speaking doubt, if you're speaking against what God says in his word, you say, well, God won't heal me. Well, God said that by his stripes, you are already healed. So if you're saying that you're not healed and you're calling God a liar, if you speak words of unbelief through your mouth, that is effectively what you're doing. Okay, so we need to be mindful of our words. The unbelief cancels out, negates our faith, right? The words that you speak forth in faith must drown out the thoughts of doubt in your head. And you may say, right, okay, right, so there, will there be thoughts of doubt? Yes, there can be thoughts of doubt. Thoughts will come. Rogue thoughts will come, right? You can't stop a thought from coming, but you can stop yourself from sitting on that thought, meditating on that thought, and then speaking that thought out. Remember we said thought, a thought only becomes your own when you, when you speak it. Right? When you start speaking it, that's when it becomes your own. Right? When you start, don't even get to the point when that thought comes. It's, you instantly put it underneath your feet, that it doesn't even get to your mouth. Before it gets to your mouth, it's already gone. That's what we need to be. Use faith-filled words to speak against those thoughts. Right? You, can't, and you hear us say this over and over. You can't fight a thought with another thought. Right? You have to speak out against it and speak faith-filled words against those negative thoughts. So there, even if there is thoughts of unbelief, don't speak them. Instead, fill yourself with more of God's word. Right? Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? So the more you're putting the faith in, the more you're putting it in, the more you're putting it in, the more you're putting it in, you're positioning yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can speak directly to you. Right? So you're putting yourself, you're in the word constantly, you're in the word constantly, and you're meditating on it, and you're reading it. And then some days, you know, you, know, you often hear it said, like, you may be reading a verse, and then it's just like a light bulb goes off, and it's like, wow, that's it, that's it, it hit home there. It really got in down deep into my spirit. It's in my heart now, it's planted. That's when Holy Spirit just expounds it, opens it, just unravels it or unveils it in your spirit, man, and it becomes revelation knowledge. That's that rhema word, where it's not just you reading words off a page, it's spoken directly to you, and it becomes revelation knowledge. That's where, that's the sort of word that, that your faith needs to attach to, because then you won't be easily turned off it, right? But how do you get there? You need to get yourself in a position where you're hearing the word, where you're putting the word in, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You get into his presence, and you get into his word, you say, how do I do that? Well how, well, how do I get myself now? You get into his presence and you get into his word. It's that simple. You have to make the choice. If you're not, if you're not spending time with him, like it really is, really when you strip it all back, if you're not spending time with him, then the time that you know that you should, or you're not putting the word in, how can you expect your faith to be built up? You can't. You can't. It's going to, you know, I mean, you're going to be, and if that's the case, what else are you feeding from? Because you're always taken from a source. You're always pulling from a source. So what source are you pulling from if it's not from God's word? If it's not from his presence, if you're distancing yourself from him because of your situations or circumstances, it means that you're, draw you're going to find yourself drawn from another source. And that's where a lot of that unbelief and negativity and, and doubt comes in when you're not drawn from him, right? Your faith will be strengthened when you hear directly from the Holy Spirit. Your faith will be strengthened. It becomes revelation knowledge. 
And then those thoughts of unbelief, remember I said, those rogue thoughts that might come, right? And sometimes, you know, thoughts will pass through our minds. Thousands of thoughts pass through our mind daily, right? And so many of them are repetitive. But when, you pa- when a thought passes your mind, right, sometimes they're rogue thoughts. They're, you're standing in faith. You have something coming up or you know you've got a situation or a circumstance that's contrary to God's word. And you're like, no, I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to declare. And then all of a sudden, oh, this rogue thought comes. Oh, but what about this? Or what about that? Or what did you take this into account or that into account? And you know it's not from God because it's, it's against what his word says, right? Those thoughts are so easily snatched onto they're so easily if we if we grab a hold of them and then start meditating on them then that thought becomes more and more repetitive and more and more repetitive and then the thought you're constantly have that thought in your heart and then you you start speaking it out right but if you get yourself to the point where you're putting the word in when you're in his presence the holy spirit's speaking to you those rogue thoughts or those thoughts of unbelief they'll start coming less by they'll come by less and less right and then when they do come you don't even give them a second thought You put them under your feet because your heart is filled with God's word. Church, this is where we need to be. Like I said, Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. Is God's word in abundance in your heart? Really and truly, is it in abundance? Or is it just there in little bits here or there when you come to church once or twice a week or or whatever? If you're there or you know you're putting a bit in and you're just fitting God in whenever you've a, whenever you've a bit of time, or are you are you really prioritizing his word? Is it in abundance? Because abundance means like it is overflowing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's full of God's word, it's full of it. See, sometimes our hearts are full of other things, and then there's just a bit of the word here or there, and then we wonder why it's getting stifled out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What your heart is filled with is what you'll speak out. You know, I hear people say all the time, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm just desperate with my words. My words are what let me down. And they know that about themselves. And sometimes our words can trip us all up, right? We need to be reminded at times and be put rein back in. But, you know, you hear people say, oh, I'm just like that. My words is what let me down. I just can't seem to get them in line. And that's how you get them in line. That is exactly how you get them in line. You get into his word and get into his presence. The more you're putting it in, the more you're putting it in your heart, the more it's going to come out of your mouth. Right? Fill your heart with what God says and meditate on those things, right? If your words are contrary to God's words, so if your words then are, if you're speaking things out and you can, maybe you can even hear it yourself sometimes, you, or you get a check by the Holy Spirit and you're like, oh, don't say that, don't say that again. Or maybe even a friend of yours or somebody might say, oh, look, just watch what you say speak positive things speak what God's word says don't be speaking that out because it'll only do you harm or whatever it may be and you get a check you know sometimes we need those things sometimes we need to be reminded our words can trip us up our words can let us down at times right but if our words are not lining up with God's word you need to do a stock take of your heart you need to do a stock take. You know, I worked in sales for years and we used to do stock takes in warehouses and different stores all throughout the country. And what is it for? It's for many different reasons, but it's to see, you know, what you have on hand. What stock are you carrying, right? And it, it shows you, it tells you a lot about your profits and, and, and all. But it, it really is, really, at the end of the day, you get this report after a couple of days, depending on how big it is, you get a report, right? And you get so much, and you, it tells you exactly the stock you have in hand, and then it shows you, you know, what you need to get rid of, 
You know, what are you sitting on? What are you sitting on that's not working? Or what are you sitting on that's, you know, that's not really bringing business or bringing profit to the business, right? And then you dispose of it or you, you put it in clearance or you send it back to the warehouse or whatever, right? It gives you a breakdown. Sometimes if we do a stock take of our heart, you, you'll find out what's valuable, what is, is there something in there that's not valuable to the kingdom? Is there something in there that's not valuable to your walk with God? If it is, get rid of it. Box it up and send it away. Get it out of your heart. Because if it stays in your heart, you'll be like, oh, it's okay, I'll just tuck it away there, it'll be fine. If it stays in your heart, it always gets in the way. Same as it was in stores. It'll always be in the way. And you'll be like, why is that there? It's not on the floor. Get it away. Ship it off. If it's in your heart, then it, there's, an, there's a chance you'll start speaking it out. So do a stock take. Do an examination. Get rid of it. Get rid of something that might um, hinder your walk with God. Don't, don't hoard anything in your heart that may counteract your faith. Don't hoard negativity. Don't hoard doubt, fear, people's opinions. You may be standing in faith for something and somebody will come along and say, Oh, that's a waste of time. Oh, well, you'll come from that. Or yet, okay, you'll, learn, you'll soon learn or whatever. And people will always have an opinion. Don't go in anybody else's opinion if it's against what God's word says. Now, people can speak into your life. Of course they can. You know, if they're, you know, if, if they're godly, right? If they're going to speak faith into your life, if they're going to speak God's word, God's life into your life, then that's good. You can take advice from people. But don't take advice that's contrary to God's word. Don't take advice that gets you away from standing in faith, right? It's a very silly thing to do. Don't hoard things like negativity and doubt. The Bible tells us to keep the word in the midst of our hearts. Remember, that was our foundational scripture at the very start of the series, Proverbs chapter 4. Keep God's word, words in the midst of your heart. Always in front of your eyes and get them into the midst of your heart. Because they're life to those who find them and health to all of our flesh. Right? If they're not in the midst of your heart, you won't speak them out. So you need to get them into your heart. Words are important. Church, you can't speak death and expect to receive life. You can't speak discouragement and expect to, sp to speak joy. You can't speak um, defeat and expect to walk in victory. And you can't speak lack and, 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 have, a, and have words of doubt coming out of your mouth and, and walk in prosperity. You can't speak something and then expect to reap something opposite. Right? Your words are important. Proverbs chapter 13 is another good one. Turn with me there. It's just a few uh, pages back from where we were there. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Wow, that's powerful. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Be mindful of what you're allowing to come out of your mouth. Right? If we guard our words, we guard our lives. So what have we discovered over these couple of weeks speaking about words here, right? You must put God's word in your heart and believe it, right, by coming into agreement with it. And then your faith produces an action, right, by confessing God's word. You know, your words are an extension of your faith, right? You're, you're getting something in your heart. You're speaking something on the inside. You're meditating on something on the inside. And then you're, you're like, no, I'm going to speak those things out, even though it's not a reality in the natural right now. I'm going to speak these things out as an extension of my faith. So you get God's word in your heart. You believe it by coming into agreement with it. And then your faith produces an action by confessing God's word, which means an agreement in your words and his words. Remember, we looked at confession last week. It's the Greek word homologia, and it's a compound word of the word homo, which means the same, and logia, which means, you know, to speak or to say. Right? So it's to say the same thing. 
It means to believe and say what God says about our sin, what God says about our sicknesses, and everything else included in his redemption. So you get into God's word and you say, well, what does God say about my sin? It says that Jesus bore for me, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then start speaking that out. So when you make a mistake or you feel like that sin consciousness has come back, then you start speaking, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't start speaking, oh, I'm a failure. God is never going to love me and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other. That's not coming into agreement with what God's word says. What does God's word say about your sickness? That he bore it. He carried it on his body and that by his stripes you are healed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Healing is your portion it is the children's bread it belongs to you right start confessing those things don't say oh, i'm sick i'm this i'm that your words are important that's what confession means it means coming into agreement with what god already has said how do you know what he said if you don't get in his word right if you're listening to other things if you're listening to reports if you're listening to doctors if you're listening to the news if you're listening to the negativity that's in the world that's what you're going to speak out so you need to make sure god's word is going in Confession is simply believing with your heart and then repeating with your lips what God declares about who you are and what you are. That's what confession is. It is coming into agreement with him. Believing in your heart and repeating it with your mouth. When your confession is right, then you'll begin to speak life and faith, right? But we don't speak... This is where I didn't get to last week and I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about this tonight. We don't speak our faith into thin air right? We don't just speak it just into thin air and just hope that it reaches somewhere, right? Where does the word tell us to speak? Or where does the word tell us to direct our words? You speak directly to your mountain, okay? You speak to your mountain. You use faith-filled words, which are in agreement with what God says, to speak to the problem and command it to leave, right? Uh, turn with me uh, to Mark chapter 11. And we've been on this verse for a few times. And I said a few times that I'd circle back because I wanted to really focus on the words part of it here. In Mark chapter 11, in verse 20, I'm going to read from, let me just get it up here. Speak to your mountain. So in Mark chapter 11 and verse 20, it says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the root. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And we broke that particular verse down a few weeks ago. But notice how our words are emphasized on three different occasions in this verse. Your words. You must use your words to speak out our faith and never use them to speak unbelief. God's power is released when we speak out in faith. Amen. God's power is released when you speak in faith. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, so the mountain is referring to your problem, to your situation or circumstance or whatever is hindering you, right? You need to speak to your problem. Speak to your problem. You know, uh, you know, there's a right way to pray. Did you know that? There's a right way to pray. You know, prayer is productive, right? Prayer, spending time with God, obviously, communicating with the Father, which is what prayer is, is, is a good thing to do. But prayer, you need to pray a certain way. And so many times, 
So, so many times people are bringing their problems to God and telling him all about them. Do you want to know something? He already knows. Right? Instead of speaking to the problem about your God, right? You're bringing all your problems to God and telling him about them. Instead of speaking directly to your problem. Jesus said to speak to your problem. Jesus didn't pray to the Father about the fig tree, did he? No, Jesus spoke directly to the fig tree. So a lot of the times we bring our problems to God instead of speaking to our problem directly. That's what Jesus told us to do. He said, speak to your mountain, right? You know, you hear things like, oh, I told God about this sickness and asked him to take it away from me, but he didn't. Or I, I, I spoke to God about this problem, but so it must not be his will. And this is, so we, this is why we established this first, that it is his will, right? But you hear these things time and time again. But what, what they need to realize is Jesus already took your sickness. You're saying, oh, God, please take this away from me. No, the, re- the truth of it is Jesus bore your sickness over 2,000 years ago on the cross, right? But are you aware of it? Obviously not if you're saying those things, Right? You need to be aware of it. First Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes we were healed. If you were healed, you are healed. It's past tense. Remember, we looked at the importance of the past tenses. If you were healed, it means you're healed now. Right? Jesus already done those things. So instead of asking with a question mark at the end of the sentence, wondering if God's going to do it or not, right? You, you change it to believing, speaking, and acting on the truth that Jesus has already provided it. Right? But where are you speaking to? You're speaking to your problem. In, in faith, knowing that Jesus already bore your sickness and carried your diseases. And by the stripes on his back, I already am healed, which means I claim my healing, which means I'm walking in my healing in Jesus' name. Amen? This will release the power of God to flow in your life. And this common misconception of, oh, I'm spe- I ask God to do this or I ask God to do that. This is why we need to understand how important it is to know. This is how we know Uh, we need to understand how important it is to know as well. To know as well and understand as well. We speak directly to the mountain. You know, if you're dealing with a sickness, speak directly to the sickness and command it to leave. Right? And who am I to do that, some say. Well, how can I do that? And I just want to talk to you a wee bit tonight just about the authority that we have on the inside as a child of God as a believer and I'm not going to get into um, I'm trying not to get too pulled aside here because this is another teaching in itself but I just want to show you because you'd be like well who am I to do that or I need to get such and such I need to get the pastor to pray that over me or I need to get this I need to get I need to get them because they have faith and remember this is why we covered these things a few weeks ago we said you have the faith of the son of God on the inside of you You have the faith of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. I don't have more faith than you do. We've been given the measure of faith, right? Now it can be exercised in more people than others and we can use it and it can be dormant in some people, right? When we don't put it to use. But you have the faith of Jesus, right? So you don't have to, you need to learn that you have authority, right? You need to learn that you have authority and then from that place, you speak to your mountain, right? You don't speak to it in unbelief. Many times, oh, I tried that, I spoke to it, but it didn't work. It works 100% of the time, but you can't be in doubt. You have to believe it in your heart and then let it, let it come forth from your mouth, right? Um, you're a child of God. That's how you can do those things. You have power through Jesus. You know what authority is? It's delegated power, right? It's delegated power, which means it was bestowed upon you. It was given to you. It was delegated to you, right? Who did that? Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28 and, and uh, verse 18, right, this is, 
Jesus given, the Great Commission, right? Very, very um, familiar verses here. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He's with us, church. He's always with us. He's given us Holy Spirit to be with us all the time. Amen. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. But we are the body of Christ, right? Before Jesus ascended to the Father, he told us to what? Go. All authority has been given to me. Now go. Go with it. Go with the authority that's been given. Go with it. I bestow it upon you. Why? Because you are my body. Jesus is the head and we are the body. You can't separate the head from the body, can you? No, spiritually, you know, we are the body, right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Physically, we're on earth. But spiritually, that's where we are as well. And I'm going to show you that in a second. Spiritually, we're seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because when Jesus sat there, we sat there. Amen? So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so go therefore. Luke chapter 10 is another one. In verse 19, it says, behold... I give you the authority, and some versions it says power there, but the proper Greek word is authority in the first word. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Right? So when Jesus was speaking of serpents and scorpions and all, he was speaking of, you know, the enemy, demons, evil spirits. Right? So what did he say? He gave us all authority. He gave you the authority to trample on serpents and all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us, right? So he was talking about these things. So we as the body of Christ, as Christ, as his hands, as his feet, as ambassadors of Christ on this earth to carry out his work, right? To preach the gospel, to do the great commission, to fulfill the call of God and, this, and the destinies that's on our lives. He's given us the authority. He's given us his power to do those things, right? So... We have his authority. Our authority rests upon the power that is behind it. That's where our authority rests upon. Right? You'd be like, it's not me individually or it's not you individually. But the, the authority that we walk in as a believer rests upon the power that backs it. What power backs it? God's power. Amen. The power of God backs it. God is the source of it. But we have the authority on this earth to exercise that power. It's not our source of power, but we have the authority to exercise it. Why? Because Jesus delegated that to us, right? In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not your might. It's not your strength. It's not my strength. It's not what I can do. It's not what you can do. Be strong in the Lord. How can we be strong in the Lord? In the power of his might. In, the, in his power that's backing you. Right? We use our authority to stand up against the enemy. All of his schemes. Which includes sickness and disease. Remember we looked at. You can't separate sickness from the devil. Right? Sickness and disease, it comes from him. So when Jesus said, I give you, all, I, I give you authority. Over, over the enemy and over all of his schemes, that included sickness and disease, which means you have authority over those things. You don't allow them to come upon your body. Tell him to back off. Can you see why sitting around and waiting, asking God to do something can actually be the problem? 
We sit around, we wait for God. Oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here waiting for God to do something. And that's the very problem, you know, because we're not doing what he's told us to do, walking in our authority. God's given us so much, church, he expects us to use it. Turn to me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's important to understand these things because you say, well, uh, you know, this come, how can I speak these words? If I, you know, you have to believe, you have to know what belongs to you. You have to know where God has placed you. Ephesians chapter 2, and in verse 1, I'll just read from here, it's, it'll be, make more sense. But, and he, you, he, you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, who you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, I love that but God there, I have that circled here in my Bible, but God. So it's talking about the condition that you were in before Christ, and then it says, but God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That's that love I was talking about. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Because by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus went went and sat beside, sat at the right hand of the Father. That is where we are seated as our position of authority, right? The Bible says that we're one spirit with him, right? This tells us where we are in Christ. Spiritually, we're seated together with him in, in heavenly places, which means this denotes our place of authority. Praise God, church. If you go back, if you go back a bit to chapter one, right? It says, um, In verse 19 it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, there you go, far above all principalities, all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So Jesus is seated there, we are seated there, which means we are seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that can be named, right? So over the schemes of the enemy, over the devil himself, over sickness, over disease, you are seated far above those things. But yet we, we sometimes get it into our minds or we sometimes, you know, get ourselves into believing that those things are bigger than us or they're greater than us. But you need to get your mind focused and your heart focused back on who you are and who Christ made you to be. Amen? What he's done for you. Your position of authority. Jesus was raised to life by God's power and that meant that we were raised to life by God's power. Because of his resurrection, we were resurrected onto life. We are alive in Christ and everything, we are alive in him. He produces life, the Zoe life. We're alive in Christ and everything that pertains to that life belongs to us. Amen? We were born again. This is why we can speak. This is how we can speak to our mountain and command it to leave. Concerning physical healing, speak to your body. There's power in your words. You can speak life and you can speak death. You have to choose to speak life. 
choose to speak life. Be specific. You know, be specific, right? Speak. We speak to cancer or we command it to leave. Speak to diabetes. Speak to backache. Speak to headaches. Speak to arthritis. Speak to all of these foul things. Sickness and disease that's from the pit of hell, right? That you don't have to walk in or accept. Speak directly to them. Don't be going pleading to God, asking them to take them from you. Jesus already bore your sickness and carried your diseases. You use your authority. You speak to those things and command them to leave. But you have to use faithful words. You have to believe it in your heart. Don't claim those things as your own church. That's, this is an aside there with the negative words. We can allow negative words to let us down. Oh, my backache, my diabetes, my arthritis is playing up. Oh, yes, God, um, you know, I have this. Oh, I know God healed me, but my this and my that. You're taking it as your own. You're claiming it as your own. It doesn't belong to you. That sickness and disease doesn't belong to you. It does, it's not yours. What belongs to you is what Jesus has given you, his life, right? And that's not sickness and disease. Speak, be specific, speak directly things. Speak to organs, speak to parts of your body that's sore. Tell them to line up, tell them to do what God designed them to do. Why? Because you have authority. You know, sometimes we walk, sometimes we have these things attacking our bodies and it can leave lasting damage, say. So even if we're healed of this thing, we're healed of this thing and, and that's gone from our bodies. It can, the effects of it can, can have, have an effect on our body. Start speaking to that body and tell it to go back to the way it was. Be fully restored. Be whole. That sickness and disease may be gone for you, but then be specific. Speak to your body. Speak to it. Mind your words, church. Jesus has done his part. What we do on earth is release our faith by taking authority over our situations and speaking forth, speaking to our mountains. Everything that Jesus has provided through his death, burial, and resurrection, it's available to us right now in the spirit realm. It's available to us right now. When we, how we experience the manifestation of that, how we experience the provision of it, is our words have to line up with his words and we have to speak forth in faith. We have to speak forth in faith. Reach out and receive it. It's yours. It belongs to you. And you heard me say, our, our words are an extension of our faith. You know, if you have faith in your heart, you'll have faith coming out of your mouth. If you have faith in your heart, you'll have faith coming out of your mouth. So get it into your heart. Refuse to have anything to do with a wrong or negative confession. Refuse to have anything to do with a negative confession. And I, I said last week, ask the Holy Spirit, if you, if you feel like your words are letting you down or if you feel like you need to kind of have a tighter rein on those things, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Say, Lord, anytime an idle word comes out of my mouth that's not doing me any good or that's, you know, that's giving this thing an upper hand or whatever it may be, Lord, reveal it to me. Help me deal with it, Lord. And he'll show you, he'll give you a check. Because sometimes we can get ourselves in such, such of these habits that we can callous ourselves. We don't even hear ourselves doing it and we do it. And, and you get around some people and, and you know the benefit, you know the, the benefit that our words can have and you know the, the bad effect that they can have. And you hear people say those things and something is just like, oh, don't say that. Don't speak those things. And, and a lot of the times it's done out of lack of understanding. That's why we need to speak truth. We need to speak life. We need to speak what God's word says. 
encourage people to speak better. You know, church, even in the world, the people that don't even have an understanding of God or have an understanding of the word, people will tell you the effects of a positive mindset. Yeah? You hear those things. You hear people beating things, beating sicknesses. Why? Because of a positive mindset. And they don't even know God. Why? Because they were allowing words to come out. Now, can you imagine if, how much more effective and how much powerful it is when we get our words lined up with God's words? That it's not just, oh, you know, me saying, saying something positive, Jason saying something, Sarah saying something, or, you know, uh, us coming and saying something positive. But when we say, oh, no, they're speaking what God says. They're coming into line with what God said. They're coming into line with his word. It is so, so powerful, church. So, so powerful. Sickness and disease can gain the, can gain the upper hand when you confess the testimony of your senses. Don't confess the testimony of your senses. Your senses will be telling you a different story at times. And sickness and disease can gain the upper hand when you're starting to confess, oh, I have this because I feel this, or I have this because I see this. Don't claim these things. What you see and what you feel, it holds no place in the realm of faith. It holds no place. So remember, your natural senses were given to you to, to be in this world, to survive in this world. You know, to enjoy your food, your taste was given to you. Who enjoys food? Amen. You know, these things are good, right? They're part of our physical makeup, but they're not to be used to, to walk in faith, church, right? They have no place in the realm of faith, right? Don't get, don't be dominated by them. Don't be dominated by the flesh. Learn to see in the spirit. Faith has sight. Remember, we're speaking of now that faith has voice, but a couple of weeks ago, we looked at faith has sight as well. It sees things that are not yet to be seen. Amen. And it speaks them out. When you speak words of doubt and unbelief by confessing sickness and disease, it's like you sign for a delivery package from the postman. Right? You know, anybody like online ordering? You know, a bit too much package driving every day, here or there, right? And uh, the postman or the courier or whatever delivers this package to your door, and nine times out of ten, you have to sign for it, right? So it, it, it lets them know, it, it keeps them clear, and then it makes, right, I received this parcel, right? And sometimes, you know, <laughs> Satan comes knocking on your door, right? Say he's the postman. I'm not saying your postman's the devil, right? But just Satan comes and knocks on your door, right? He tries to deliver a package to you. He tries to deliver a sickness or a disease or he says, oh, please take this, take this. He might wrap it up looking shiny, looking this, looking that, and you might not know the effects of it when you take it. But he tries to get you to sign for something and declare it as your own. When you sign for it, then he has a piece of paper and he's like, yes, I have the right to put, I have the right now because they, they accepted this. They accepted it. They signed for it. Why? How do we sign for those things? When we speak them. When we speak them. Oh, this is mine. I claim it. I claim this. I have this. I have that. It's like you're signing his delivery note. Yes, I'll take that off you. Yes, I'll take that pain. Yes, I'll take this disorder or whatever it may be. Don't accept it. Return to sender. Amen. Stick a big old return to sender sticker on it. Don't accept anything that he tries to deliver. If we sign for it and take it from him, we're accepting it as our own. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, what? Give no place to the devil. 
Give him no place. This verse, once again, shows us, it, it, it shows us the authority that we have. Okay? This verse shows us the authority that we have. Why? Because he only has place if you give it to him. The Apostle Paul's writing, give no place to the devil, which means you have to give him the place. The devil has no place in your life unless you give it to him. He can't force himself upon you because he has no power to do that. He can't put sickness on the children of God unless we sign for it. Unless we take it from him. Unless we accept it. He can't put those things on you. He can tempt you with it and he'll try to do it this way or that way or the other. But don't accept it. That's why you need to be full of God's word. Because then you see things that are not from him. You need to be full of his presence, full of his spirit. So then you see things that are not of him. By coming into agreement with it and speaking forth death with our words is how we accept those things, church. It goes on to say two verses down from that in verse 27 of Ephesians 4. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Don't allow corrupt words to proceed out of your mouth. Only speak what is edifying. Only speak what builds you up. Only speak what encourages. Only speak life. Don't allow corrupt words to come out of your mouth. When you're speaking about our problems and giving life to them, you're testifying for the enemy. You're glorifying him. When you're telling people about your problems and all that's your woes and this and that's that's coming, you're glorifying him. You're testifying of him instead of God. Instead of saying, no, in spite of these things, I'm not giving life to those things. I'm, I'm an overcomer. Start testifying to God. Start testifying to who he's made you to be, that you're seated in heavenly places far above all those things. Let me just close with, um, with this here. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Sorry, did I say Ephesians? Hebrews chapter 4. Your confession is so important. Hold fast to it. In verse 14 it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What are we holding fast to? The confession of our faith in the redemptive work, which includes our healing, which includes our health and our strength, in the redemptive work that God worked in Christ. Hold fast to the absolute truthfulness of the word of God. Hold fast to your confession that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your diseases and by his stripes you're healed. Hold fast to your confession that God is the source of your strength. Remember, your confession is saying the same thing as, so God has said these things, you're coming into agreement with him with your words. Hold fast your confession to those things, to everything that's part of the redemptive work that God worked for you in Christ. We are to know what the will of God is concerning our healing and we're to hold fast our confession to that. You know, healing is always in response to faith's testimony. Don't give a testimony to doubt. Don't give a testimony to fear or to the enemy or to these things. Give a testimony of, of healing, of health, of strength, of what God says about you. Healing will always respond to faith's testimony. You know, many people fail when things get difficult. Why? It's a roadblock. They lose their confession. When things get difficult, when the senses ramp things up, when things get heightened in the natural, when, when things seem to be piling up or coming against, people drop the ball on their confession and that lets them down. 
That's why the Bible says not only the importance of your words, but he says, hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confession. When you confess the word of God, you're enforcing the victory that Jesus won with your words. And then you have the ability to walk in it. You know, Jesus defeated Satan. You know, he made a show of him. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated sickness and disease. Jesus defeated all those things. When you come into agreement with his word, when you start confessing what he says, you are enforcing that victory. You're enforcing that victory and then you have the ability to walk in it. You are, that's what we're doing, church. We're not, we're not oh, fighting to get the, fighting this and fighting that. We're, yes, we're fighting. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith, and it is a fight. But remember, it's from the stance of victory. Why? Because Jesus already won it. Jesus already won it. But the devil likes to tell people that, you know, that you, that you aren't victorious. He likes to try and, and trick you into thinking that, that, you know, he's won or that the battle belongs to him. No, you need to remind him. Remind him. Speak. Use your words who you are in Christ, the victory that belongs to you. You know, the word will be ineffective in your life until faith is breathed into it through your mouth. The word will be ineffective in your life until you start using faith to speak it out, declaring it as your own, declaring it as your own. Holding fast to your confession means you stay in union with God's word and you don't allow your senses to diminish the truth of it in your life. It'll try to dilute, it'll try and diminish, it'll try and dull the truth of God's word. Your senses will try to take your focus and your attention. Don't allow them to diminish the truth of God in your life. Holding fast your confession means you stay in union with God's word. It means you, st you stay speaking, church, even when it's hard. Church, I've experienced some of these things in, 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 even in recent years where your back is firmly slapped against the wall and you feel it's coming at you from all angles. And I mean, nothing in the physical, nothing in the senses is looking like it's going right. They're the moments you need to hold fast your confession. Don't drop the ball in those moments. Don't allow the negative words to start coming out of your mouth because don't start undoing the months or the weeks or the years beforehand of speaking in faith, of getting into the word. Don't undo those things with negative words. Yes, words are that important. You can undo, undo those things and start speaking death into a situation that needs God's life. So don't drop the ball in your confession. Jesus calls us blessed, you know, when we believe with our heart. Let me read this to you before I close in John chapter 20. We need to learn to see with our hearts. In John chapter 20 and verse 24, it says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This is speaking after Jesus was resurrected. And he appeared to the disciples. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door's been shut and he stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. But Jesus' answer to him was, Thomas, 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, everyone say blessed, are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You're blessed. You're not crazy. <laughs> you're not weird. You're not deluded. All oh, that faith stuff is deluded. No, you're blessed. Why? Because I'm choosing to see. I'm choosing to believe before I can physically see. People say, can you not see? Oh, I can see, all right. I can see by faith. I can see in my heart. I can see what my spirit, your imagination is so important. Start picturing those things. You know, we talked about in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, what she must have been picturing before she went to find Jesus. She was picturing her head, touching. She put, plenty, she put many of faith or uh, laws of faith into motion. She heard the word. Then she started speaking it. Then she started believing it. Then she started speaking it. And then she started acting upon it. And she did it with earnestness. She got on her hands and knees and she crawled and found Jesus in the throngs, thousands of people. She wasn't just like, sorry, can I get past? Sorry, no, no. No, she was, she was violently resolved. The violent take it by force. She was violently resolved to go and get her healing from Jesus. She was imagining, I guarantee you, she was imagining in her mind, once I touched the hem of his garment. So which means she hadn't physically, she was still bleeding at this point. She was still ill. She was still on the brink of death. But she was picturing in her mind her healing. She was seeing it before it was manifested. And then that faith that was birthed on the inside of her produced an action. Church, that's where we need to be. We need to be seeing those things. We are not to be like Thomas in this way. He limited himself in faith because he placed all of the emphasis on his senses. I don't want to be carnal like that. I don't want Jesus to say, no, you didn't get this or you didn't receive this because you, you needed to see it with your eyes. I want him to say, blessed, blessed are you because you received all of these things because you believed in your heart. His confession, Thomas's confession came forth based on what he could see. And when he was like, my Lord, my God, Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it happened. Jesus, it's real. You've raised from the dead. It was based on what he could see, not from what he believed in his heart. Part of holding fast your confession is standing on the word, regardless of what it's saying around you, church. Holding fast to the redemptive work of Christ, which includes your healing and restoration. See the sicknesses placed on the body of Jesus. See those things that you're experiencing in your body far away from you placed on him because that's where he took them and bore them for us. You know, Hebrews chapter four tells us that Jesus is the high priest of our confession, which means our success, it's based upon him. He is our high priest. When we confess the word and hold on to it, no sickness or disease can prosper against us. And what we do then is we continue to confess the word, thanking God for our health. Faith speaks and it's done. Faith doesn't speak again and again and again. Yes, you keep confessing, right? But faith doesn't keep asking and pleading until it sees a result. That's unbelief. You keep confessing the word, you keep confessing the word, and then you keep thanking God because you know that it's done because you spoke forth in faith. You spoke to your mountain. You know, regardless of what I can see, regardless of what I can feel, I know that it's done. And you keep confessing the word in the meantime. Thanking God for his promises. So I have down here, right, just... Confess it in your heart, number one. Number two, confess it through your mouth. Number three, continue to confess it. Number four, confess it until then. Your words are totally in agreement with your spirit, with what's in your heart. 
Number five, confess it until then your whole spirit, soul, and body are walking in harmony with the word of God and his promises. And then number six, never stop confessing. Never stop confessing the word. Even when you're walking in that victory, even when you've received what, what it is you were believing for in the physical, never stop confessing his word. Remember I said last week about the importance of preventative maintenance. Don't wait until you're sick to start confessing the word. Confess the word and you won't get sick. Amen? Preventative maintenance. Never stop confessing the word. Don't be like, oh, I've got there, or I've received what I've been believing for, and then, oh, I'm going to take my, 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 my foot off the gas a wee, but I'm going to, you know, lay down for a wee rest here. No, don't get passive, church. Remain active. Remain in the pursuit of him. Remain confessing his word. Don't drop the ball on your words. Keep confessing the word, thanking him for who he has made you to be, for who he is, and then who you are in Christ. Amen. There's power in your words. It's a major roadblock that people um, get stuck on when it comes to receiving their healing. Don't allow it to stop you. Amen. Keep your words where they should be. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for a wonderful time that we've had here this, this evening getting to come in and spend time with you, to glorify you, worship you, praise you, hear from you, Lord. We love you, we love you so much, Lord. You are Lord of Lords, our King of Kings. I thank you, Father, for what was spoken directly from your heart. To those, Lord, that are carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying, Lord, to those that have left them here this evening, we will not pick them back up again. Those burdens, those things that were making us anxious and worry and fret and even sweat, causing sleepless nights, Lord, we left them at that altar. We've given them to you now, Lord. Thank you, Father, for a reminder of your love this evening, <laughs> how much you love us, how much you care for us. Help us walk in that revelation, Lord, of your love. When things try and come against us or things trying to bog us down, remind us by your Holy Spirit of your love, Lord. It'll help us stay grounded. It'll help us stay clear. Our minds stay clear, Father, of just uh, getting fogged up. When we know how much you love us, you know, we know, Father, the victory that we have. Nothing else matters. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your, the seeds of your word that are incorruptible. Thank you for the ground that they were sown on tonight, Lord. Good ground. They were sown into good, your word was sown into good hearts that are ready to receive and expecting fruit and a harvest in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the remainder of our week. Thank you for your protection upon us, Lord. Your hand is upon us. Thank you, Father, that we have authority over sickness and disease, over all the schemes and plans of the enemy. Help us walk in that authority. Use that authority. Help us use our words to speak out against them and then use our words to speak life into our situation. Speak life into other people, Father, to bring your hope of the gospel. Help us use words that are, our words to be effective for your kingdom. Give us opportunities, Lord, this week to, to do what you've called us to do, to share your love, to share your hope. Help us walk in faith and love towards you, Lord, and love towards one another as the ambassadors that you've made us to be, Lord, representing you here on this earth. Thank you, Father, for an opportunity to give to you this evening. 
You've blessed us, Father. You've blessed our hands. Thank you, Father, Lord, that our workplaces are blessed because we're there. Thank you, Father, Lord, that you, Father, are looking after us. You're meeting our needs. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned. Why? Because we put first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, that we seek first those things and all those things will be added to us. So I thank you, Father, that as we give, it'll be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, Lord. We will have abundance that we need for all things because we choose to sow to your kingdom and into eternity, Lord. Thank you for that opportunity to honor you this evening. And I thank you, Lord, that here at Island Church, we're covered by your blood, empowered by your word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.